Wednesday, April 26th, and welcome to the Just Baseball Show. That's Arm Lane, and I'm Peter Apple. Every other week, we do a mailbag, and every other week, kind of in the middle of that, we do a charcuterie board. That's what I kind of want to call it now, because you got your meats, you got your cheeses, you got a wide variance of different baseball topics to go over, but then the big thing in the middle, usually in charcuterie boards, am I thinking about the right thing? I think I'm thinking about the right thing. Is the prospect report coming to you live from Arm Layton? Should be a great show. But our first debate was about waffles versus pancakes. We're both waffle guys. And I even had a hot take where I said waffles, even a decent waffle, like the one you put in a toaster, is still as good as a good pancake. I think pancakes are slightly overrated. And I think waffles are incredibly underrated. Well, we live in a city where pancakes are $20 sometimes at some of these places. So like I've been really turned off by, by pancake prices in New York city. No one wants to talk about that. If, if a politician ran on the campaign promise of, of lowering the price of pancakes, I'd, I'd be interested. Uh, the, well, we also left off where we started, how the topic started, which was I got maple syrup in my keyboard because I was eating my waffles while I was doing some editing on just baseball.com. I think that was a pretty like piping hot take, but at the same time, I respect it. And I think it comes from a good place. I, I don't know if people are willing to compare the pancakes versus waffles thing. Cause I feel like pancakes get celebrated on a different level, but I wonder if you put a poll out there, like how many people would pick waffles? I think there's a lot of closeted waffle supporters there that, that wouldn't, yeah. Like I, I appreciate you and I applaud you for this brave. Thank you. I agree. And it does come from a good place. I'm glad you said that because it comes from a good place in my heart about waffles. I like the texture. I like a little bit more of the crispiness. Like with a pancake, it's just like it's a big piece of dough, right? It's pretty good. Pretty good. I'm not saying I don't like pancakes, but if I had to choose, it's waffles by a million. And speaking about a million, Brian Reynolds just got 106 of them. $106 million extension. Pittsburgh Pirates, you finally did it. We can stop talking about the damn extension. Thank we can God. stop talking about the damn trade rumors. Brian Reynolds is a pirate for the next six years, and deservedly so. Pirates get off to one of the best starts in franchise history, or at least in the last, what, two decades? Yeah, it feels like they, it. And they sign their man in Brian Reynolds, who's been off to a great start. He's been in the rumor mill a ton, but he's going to be a Pittsburgh Pirate for the foreseeable future. What was your reaction? First, just a sigh of relief, I, especially because, you know, I still have like the base of of Marlins fans that I'm connected with on Twitter and, and that the ship sailed on on the Brian Reynolds trade for a long time ago. Um, and obviously, like things could have come back up if there was no, you know, no agreement at come deadline time. But it seemed very clear that the Pirates were going to kind of figure it out and, and eventually put it all together. Obviously, as you mentioned, this hot start makes it a little bit easier to, to open up the checkbook. My reaction anytime a small market quote unquote team extends a player that is a borderline star or an all-star is always going to be positive. Like it's always good when guys like this don't go, I'm sorry, we're going to talk about their outfit situation later, but to the Yankees, the Dodgers, whoever else, like it's good for these teams that are now finally trying to get competitive again to keep their stars, to keep the guys that people will buy jerseys of. So I, I, I'm, it's good for baseball when you have a guy like Brian Reynolds sticking with a team like the Pittsburgh Pirates. And, you know, hopefully we were just talking about how, how the vibes are high in Pittsburgh. I don't think the vibes are higher anywhere else right now, now that that contract was just signed with Brian Reynolds as well. Brian Reynolds debuted in 2019 with the Pirates. He's got a career 843 OPS. Um, he's basically been healthy his entire career. 
played 134 games in 2019, played 55 of the possible 60 in 2020, 159 in 2021, 145 in 2022. And now he's off to a roaring start with a 553 slugging. He's got five home runs already. It was always the can he play center, can he play left? Kind of doesn't matter because he is a good left fielder and maybe he's a fringe center fielder. doesn't really matter. You just want his bat in the lineup anyway. And the Pirates have the number one overall pick, so they're not going to have to worry about center field because they're going to get the cruise missile and it's going to be awesome. And I cannot wait for fireworks in Pittsburgh. But a team that can't hit and a team that could greatly use Brian Reynolds services is the New York Yankees. And now that the Yankees will not be able to acquire Brian Reynolds, I want to talk about the disaster that is the Yankees offense. Yeah. You look at each player, Aaron judge. He's the King 130 WRC plus. He is totally fine. But Franchi Cordero 78 WRC plus Willie Calhoun since the start of 2020 is the single worst player in major league baseball by F4 negative 2.1. He has a 22 WRC plus with the New York Yankees so far this season, hitting fifth. Aaron Hicks, minus 10 WRC plus. 100 is league average. He has a minus 10. You just don't see that. Oswaldo Cabrera, right? Love him. Good young player. He's been dreadful. Yeah, he really has. Offensively, it has not been there. I still like him. You still got to give more playing time. He's not really the issue, but off to a really, really low start. IKF, who's also been playing some center field, (laughs) and he's made some diving catches. It looks good on social media. Check out the routes. They're terrible. He's not an outfielder, and he can't hit either. They need Harrison Bader back, who probably won't come back until May. Stanton is still sidelined with the hamstring injury. Won't be back until most likely June. Rodon's still hurt. Severino's still hurt. Efros in the bullpen. Lou Trevino, Tommy Canely. I could continue, Aram. Now, they're still staying ab- above water. You got to credit Aaron Boone. You got to credit, you know, Brian Cashman. Because, like, what are they going to, what are they supposed Garrett to do? Cole. They put a team on the table and everybody got injured. Garrett Cole's been amazing. Nestor's been amazing. But other than that, Glaber had a really hot start. He's cooled down a little bit. Volpe playing really good defense, great on the base pass, isn't really hitting either. This Yankees team in a division where the Baltimore Orioles are on fire. The Tampa Bay Rays are 14-0 and at home. They are outscoring opponents 98-33 to at home, 14-0. and Even the Boston Red Sox are winning games. And the Blue Jays are also winning games. Of course they are. This is a really tough division. And if they were maybe in a central, I'd be a little bit less concerned. And it is April, so I'm not actually concerned because I know guys are going to come back. But I wanted to reference this Yankees team that in the last two weeks has an 84 WRC plus, which means they are 16% below league average and they rank 23rd in baseball. They can't hit Arm. I think the American League East is going to be one of the most, if not the most interesting division to follow. I I think it might be more interesting than the NL East this year because you have the Rays and Baltimore, who, by the way, respectively have won six games and seven games in a row. Uh, So both those teams, like you mentioned, cannot be off to better starts. I I do wonder how, you know, Baltimore is going to survive the duration of 162. Uh, You know, I think they're going to fade a little bit at points. Even Tampa, obviously, they're going to come to earth a little bit. So for the Yankees, it's just like get through this. And that's the the over. I mean, you watch the Yankees more closely than I do. But the overarching sense I get is like, let's just survive this time right now because everybody is so banged up. You're missing so many key pieces. I think get, getting Bader back is going to be, uh, I think, one of the biggest returns of you know any team really getting a, an injured player back. But I feel like you got to do something for the outfield right now. I don't know if it's if it's you know finally just eating the Aaron Hicks contract. Like I, I just don't know why we're still doing that dance. Franchi Cordero and Willie Calhoun is a very unserious duo to be in the lineup almost every single day. I'd almost rather see what Floreal can do. We like we know he's not great, but like you might as well see what Floreal can do. I'd almost rather shove up a prospect and see what they can do. Like you know what you're getting from Willie Calhoun. It's exactly this. Franchi Cordero, yeah, he had a couple nice flashes. You know he can run into a baseball here and there. 
You also know that you play him enough, he's going to suck. Like, I, I don't know what the Yankees are expecting with this group here. They're fortunate to be 13 and 10, but they're already seven games back of the Rays. And like, it's early, but this shit can get away from you real quick. And, you know, it's it's a shame because Rizzo looks good. You mentioned, you know, what you're getting from Judge. Of course, he's going to be great. The pitching staff's holding up their end of the bargain. Like, they just need a little bit more offense in the back end. Not even great hitters. Like, we're going to talk about the Rangers. The Rangers have a bunch of guys that they plugged in that are serviceable at the low 700s OPS. They just need exactly. someone to not blow that fills yeah. in there. And right now, they've got guys that I think wouldn't even put up great numbers at the AAA level. Like, I don't even think Willie Calhoun's that good in triple right now. No. No, these are auto outs and it's we're going to talk about the Rangers in a minute. And it's a difference between putting out major leaguers who can still give you competitive at bats versus putting out guys who are some of the worst overall players in baseball. And a lot of those guys I named are some of the worst overall players in baseball. I watch a Yankee game and I think to myself, there are two guys who I believe in in the lineup right now. And they both start with the letter A, Anthony Rizzo and Aaron Judge. DJ yeah. e. LeMahieu is still a good hitter. Glaber Torres, when he gets hot, is one of those guys that coaches, managers, they're going to try and game plan around. But at the end of the day, you're the New York Yankees and you have two and a half, three total players who scare you. I know there's going to be some injuries and I know there's going to be some guys coming back. But even when Bader and Stanton come back, there's still auto outs in the lineup. And I think that's the issue here. Like Yankee fans are starting to clamor for Josh Donaldson to come back, which is yeah, I know. like, but, that's where they're at. But at least, you know, he's going to like be league average offensively or something sure. like, somewhere around like that. That's what that shows you where they're at. I will say though, really awesome to see DJ swinging it. Well, um, yes. that's a guy that I think literally it's just getting his body right. Hopefully he stays right. That's such a big glue guy that I feel like always gets overlooked and was a big reason why I think that the Yankees didn't totally put it all together last year was because he wasn't 100% available and 100% healthy. Um, I have one proposal for you before we move on. Let's hear it. Avi Garcia and Cash <laughs> for Aaron Hicks. You call you call the money a wash, basically. No. <laughs> I'd rather just cut Aaron Hicks. I don't want to pay anything of Avi Garcia's contract. Yeah, I mean, that's it's funny in theory, but... I mean, that's where we're at, though, right? Yeah. Like that joke is not a joke. No, it's, I mean, Aaron, there's there's funny in truth. There's yeah. there's comedy in truth. And that's what we're at is trading Aaron Hicks, possibly the worst player in the American League for Avisel Garcia of the Miami Marlins, who's maybe the worst player in the National League. And just yeah. saying, him, let's him see if any of them can rebound. Him and Ozuna are really duking it out right now for worst player in the National League. No doubt about it. But a team filled with really fun players who's off to a great start is the Texas Rangers, your leader in the National League West, filled with some great teams in the Houston Astros, the defending champs, Seattle Mariners, who were duking it out with the Astros in last year's playoffs, the Los Angeles Angels, who feature Shohei Otani and Mike Trout and Taylor Ward and Anthony Rendon, even though Taylor Ward has not been good, but that's for another time. The Texas Rangers, Josh Young's been great. And this is a team without Corey Seager right now, and it's not showing. Adolis Garcia is your RBI leader. Josh Young is finally looking like that big-time offensive prospect that we thought. Marcus Semien is still leading the charge. Jonah Heim at catcher has been great offensively for them. Even Ezekiel Duran has filled in as like the sixth hitter who's an above-average hitter right now. They're a really fun, exciting team. And of course, you got the big bopper at first in Nathaniel Lau or Nathaniel Lowe, excuse me. Lau Lowe. It's so hard. There's so many lows and lows I, I in this game up. right now. I'm always like, which one's Lau, which one's Low? Every time I'm about to say it in my head. And the pitching has been good. I mean, yeah. DeGrom is still doing his thing. Eovaldi has run into some really bad luck, but I'm not really concerned about him because his splitter is getting tons of whiffs. He's back in the mid to upper 90s. Yeah. You know, Andrew Heaney's been kind of up and down, and Martin Perez has been solid. And you look at the team and you think to yourself, all right, they have a pretty good bullpen. Like, But didn't we kind of know this? It's just our question was, will they stay healthy? Yeah. And it is April. That's why I really wanted to come and talk about them. It's cool to just to see the concept working, though. We had a feeling we felt good about the team as long as they stay healthy. And that's I, I agree. That's still the big if. 
but at least you can see the plan working in a way where you're seeing this team gel really well. You laid the, you just laid it all out beautifully. Um, and, and the one thing that I do feel better about, I think I feel better about the rotation overall to start this year, because you mentioned the Evaldi's bad, batted ball luck in 27 innings, a, a few balls bouncing one way or another for a couple runs can legitimately be the difference between a high threes and, and a low five ERA. And the underlying for, stats are insane. For example, I was watching, they lost that game against the Reds on a walk-off and Eovaldi gave up a couple of earned runs. The way they scored the first run, error by Josh Young at third. Then runners on second and third, it was a hard hit ball to center field. Guy drops it. I mean, it's over his head. I think you should catch that as a major leaguer. So just some tough luck for Eovaldi, but the stuff looks good and that's what's important for a guy over 170 innings. 31 strikeouts, five walks is what I'm looking at. Only one home run given up. So I think Evaldi is going to continue to be better. DeGrom came out of the game with like the wrist soreness in the middle of a note, which which is just insane in the middle of a no hitter. But he struck out 43 and walked three to start this season. So DeGrom, even though he's already come out a couple times or whatever, and has looked a little bit shaky without Honestly, he's looked better than I thought health wise. So I'll take that as a relative win. Martin Perez has been Pretty much Martin Perez, as advertised from last year, which is phenomenal. And then Heaney's shown us flashes, but if that's your five, like you feel pretty good about that. I love their prospects, Owen White, uh, and and even Cole Wynn looks a lot better. I think Owen White could be another really good rotation option for them too. And then you mentioned Josh Young. I think that's one of the biggest X factors for this team because we know Marcus Semien's going to hit, and he's been awesome. We know Corey Seager's going to hit when he's back, and and he was phenomenal to start the season. So you look at this team top to bottom. Now that you have Josh Young hitting like the guy he's supposed to be, this lineup is a problem. I think this lineup can be really tough. Um, You know, I'd like to see maybe one more bopper in the outfield slash DH spot because I love Adolis, as you mentioned. But, you know, Leody Tavares is a good defensive center fielder. I can understand prioritizing defense there. But then at the DH spot, you're kind of figuring that out. Other corner, you're kind of figuring that out, like Bubba Thompson, Robbie Grossman, Josh H. Smith, Travis Jankowski. I love Ezekiel Duran as like that fourth outfielder rover type, but they could probably use one more bat, but that's the easiest thing to go get at the deadline. I think pitching-wise, they look like they're holding up, and the bullpen, Peter, I would say that exceeded my expectations a little bit. No doubt. I didn't know what we were going to get from Will Smith. That in the early going, obviously small sample, looks like a great pickup. We know Brock Burke's great, but how about LeClerc? Hernandez, like they've got a lot of Dane Dunning moving to the bullpen and getting outs. I don't know if that's sustainable, but he's been awesome. Like, did you expect this from the bullpen? No, that's the biggest shock for me is like Josh Spores, Jose Leclerc. We thought Brock Burke was going to be good, but he's just continuing to be good. Will Smith is a guy who's kind of been a cast aside. Remember, he was in the uh, night shift with the Atlanta Braves, and then he's kind of been bouncing around, but he's looked solid. Even Ian Kennedy has given them quality innings. Even when the starters like don't pitch all that well, the bullpen comes in and pitches pretty well. I'm not saying it's like an elite bullpen. I'm not even saying it's a top 10 bullpen, but I thought it could be a bottom like 10 bullpen, and it has been anything but that. I would even call it above average at this point. So you look at the Rangers, and they're pretty well-rounded. And with Bruce Bochy at the helm, like this is a fun team, right? You got a manager who's been there, done that, lived through the San Francisco Giants dynasty, knows how to get the most out of his players. Morale seems really good. And I think that's a big point on Bruce Bochy, that when you lose Corey Seager, you don't miss a beat, right? Yeah. Like it's a it's a cog that just continues to run. And I'm really excited for this Rangers team. Now they just have to stay healthy. That was our big worry coming into the season. We talked about the outfield and we talked about the health of this pitching staff. Now they're all healthy and they look really good. We weren't going to be surprised if the Rangers were good when healthy. So it's not shocking, but there are elements to this team that are playing better than we thought, yeah. notably the bullpen. Maybe Josh Young, we thought he could be good. We didn't think he'd be taking Nick Lodolo sliders in on his hands down the line for homers. We didn't think he'd be hitting 440-foot nukes to hey, center field. Second on the team in homers. <laughs> He's crushing the ball. Like, this is a good t- – and we thought Jonah Heim was a fine catcher. Not one of the best in baseball to yeah, start the year. That's the one I'm interested to see how that continues. But then again, like let's say he comes down to earth a little bit. 
Well, Nathaniel Lowe has a 692 OPS and Mitch Garver's been out who was off to a really good start through his first half dozen games. So like that'll offset, you know, maybe Heim coming down to earth a little bit. They've got a great catching situation too, because you know that Heim's going to defend. So yeah, I mean, this is, this is a really, really fun ball club that I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. Of course it could fall apart rotation wise. Um, but for now, it looks like Evaldi's back, which I think is a huge, 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 huge factor here. And man, if DeGrom is DeGrom, like kind of like we were talking about before, you can really see the blueprint here for this team that offensively, I think, is only going to get better as the year goes on. Pitching wise, I'm worried about, you know, it kind of fading. But in terms of the bats, I think the bats are only going to get better. Semyon was like that last year. Seager's going to come back healthy. And I think they're going to go get another bat. Um, so I, I do think that this lineup is going to get better as the year goes on. It's just really, can the pitching hold up? And so far, so good. It's early, but good signs in the early going. Great signs in the early going. And the reason I wanted to bring up those two teams in particular, they were in the running for Brian Reynolds, who was extended by the Pittsburgh Pirates. And they were two of the teams who a lot of people thought would end up on either one of them. Nope. Brian Reynolds is a pirate. The Rangers don't seem like they need him that badly. And the Yankees certainly do, but they will not be getting the services of Brian Reynolds. So now that we talked about a couple of those teams, I want to bring up some players that have just been fantastic before we get into arms prospect report. And the first one you told your friends. So Aram, you're a Miami Marlins fan. And you saw Spencer Schreider going up against <laughs> Edward Cabrera. And what did you tell your friends? Tell us the story. Yeah. I, so I saw Arias was out and I saw Strider was on the bump. And I just had this feeling. I'm like, I looked at my roommates and I said, I don't know if like, they love to, they love to bet on the weirdest stuff ever. And I was like, I don't know if you can bet on it, but like I would bet on the Braves, um, Spencer Strider to throw a no hitter today. And they like searched for the line, couldn't find it. So we left it at that. And they're like, if he throws a no hitter, I'm going to be so pissed. And we just watched first inning, like down in order, second inning, down in order, third inning, down in order. I'm like, holy crap, he's going to do it. Uh, obviously, he came up just short on a good pitch. Gene Segura somehow poked it and got it out there. But I had that gut feeling. I'm like, I just like know when the Marlins are going to get pieced. And Spencer Strider is so special right now. When you don't have a rise in that lineup, I think Strider smelled blood. He smelled blood in the water. He's like, oh, that's the one guy I probably had to worry about. He's not in the lineup. I'm going to go right after these guys. And man, that was less of an indictment on the Marlins and more of a testament to Spencer Strider. That was some kind of performance, man. Some kind of performance. And you could tell how good he was because when Gene Serger got that single, <laughs> bat flipped it because yeah. he was just so excited that they yeah, even people were like put... rattled about that. I, I was, I don't think people understood the the context of that. I think Gene Segura was flipping his bat like a Jesus. Finally, we, we got one. It wasn't like a, Oh, I got you. Like, no, it wasn't one of those. It was like, wow, we finally ran into one and got a hit because this guy is legitimately on a different level than us. Um, it, it is insane to see. I don't want to be too reactionary. Because obviously we got to see him continue to do it. Um, and and I think we've seen enough though to, to put him as one of the best pitchers in the game. Uh, but, you know, like big game on the line, who are you handing the ball to? Like Freed's got the seniority must win ball game though. Both are equally rested. What do you like? You, you have to, you do have to put the stock into seniority and, and you know how that's how these managers are always going to operate. But if like, and Freed's look good, but, Strider looks like perhaps the most unhittable pitcher in base. Like he looks right there with DeGrom in terms of the fastball slider combination that you just have no shot of hitting when it's on. Like, are you already at the point now where you are giving Strider the start over Max Fried in a must win game? It's so hard because you can tell when Strider is healthy. Freed isn't that level. He's just not at that level when Strider is healthy. Now at the end of the season, we saw him kind of tail off a little bit. Yeah. Phillies fans are reminding all of social media of the Reese Hoskins home run off Spencer Strider when the Phillies jumped him in the playoffs, but Strider didn't look his best right there. So hurt. I think over, like if you're like, I need 200 innings this season, give me max freed. If I have both at peak form, both healthy, 
give me Spencer Strider. And I don't think we have to be reactionary. I think we should trust one of the great hitters of all time who talked about Spencer Strider. And Braves fans know him well. Everybody knows him because his name is Chipper Jones. Yeah. And Chipper Jones in an interview, I think it might have been before the game or it was during the broadcast. Yeah. I don't really remember, but I remember this interview where he said I would hit 200 in today's game. Which he's selling himself so short. He's selling himself so short. But but it it is, is. it's a good point of like, he's showing you how different these guys are nowadays. I saw that. That's the point. Yeah. And like, and yes, he's of course selling himself short. He's a hall of famer and he definitely could hit against anybody at any given time. But I think what he's seeing, he's in awe. Yeah of a guy like Strider that back in the day, the guys were throwing in the low nineties and Chipper Jones was teeing off. Now Strider's throwing a hundred with 20 inches of induced vertical break and a slider from hell and a changeup that he flashes just to say, screw you. I could do this whenever I want. That's what I think he's looking at and thinking to himself, this is a different league. Now yeah. these are different guys and Strider is almost the perfect definition of a guy with basically two pitches doing whatever he wants because those two pitches are 80 grade, yeah. right? Fastball doesn't get much better than that. Like you can say DeGrom, but Hunter Green throws 101. Give me Strider's fastball. Strider's fastball I mean, is not even close. DeGrom probably has the best fastball because it also has the same amount of induced vertical break and it's 101, but Strider's 98 to 99. Yeah. And like Garrett Cole's up there with his fastball too, but it's, it's a short list. It's it's also the command of it too. And yes, and that's where we're seeing Strider get better and better and better. Is we talk about the velocity, the life, but he's spotting it too. Seventy four percent strike rate, sixty six percent in zone rate, meaning that he's throwing the fastball in the strike zone sixty six percent of the time. You know why? Because he's getting in zone whiff at a twenty six percent clip. So he is so confident that he can throw it right in the zone and you're going to swing under it. And then he'll expand it a little bit more and get you to chase has some of the highest chase rates on the fastball too. So he doesn't just throw it out of the zone to throw it out of the zone. But when he does hitters aren't expecting it and they expand and, and he's got the perfect balance of pounding the zone and then getting you to expand, you know, just enough. The other thing is he lands a slider for a strike 68% of the time. So this is a dude that's throwing strikes, period, strikes, period, at a 71% clip. So when you do that with two elite pitches, it's insane. Like this guy has continued to get better and better and better. And and uh, I think, I forget the exact words that Jeff Passan used, but he said, you know, his pursuit of excellence is, is really uh, just something to behold. You can see Spencer Strider's pursuit of excellence here. The stuff, he figured that out. Now it's command. He's figuring that out and sequencing and how to attack guys. And this is a guy that I think is just going to keep evolving and keep getting better. Um, what stands out the most to me, fastball this year, opponents are hitting 155, 260, 224. It's a 480 OPS with a 36% K rate. It's fastball, which he throws 60% of the time. It's it's just absolutely unreal. It's the, That fastball is one of the best pitches in baseball. Breaking balls, change-ups, whatever you want that fastball is as good as any pitch in baseball. Um, Strider is going to be a problem for a long time. He's 24. 24. And there's, it's one thing to have incredible stuff. It's another thing to have incredible command, but you got to have some balls to be able to throw two pitches, throw that many strikes and dare hitters to hit it. And he's got all three. He's got two elite, elite pitches. He's got elite command and he's got elite balls. Yeah. He's got elite balls, man. This guy is so fun to watch. He's must watch TV every fifth day. Moving over to another player that I feel is willing his team to wins. I look at a Red Sox lineup and there's not a lot of guys in there that scare me. But there is one man who you have to pitch around and you can't. And his name is Rafael Devers. This guy has always been a major threat for the Boston Red Sox. I mean, dating back to 2017 when he was a 20-year-old. And you think to yourself, well, Devers got to be, what, 29, 30, 26? 
Yeah. It's got nine bombs. It's got a nine fourteen OPS. You know, when you face the Red Sox, the only guy you really have to worry about, of course, Yoshida is heating up a little bit. You know, you have other guys who are good major leaguers, but when you go into Fenway, you know, it's Devers, like let everyone else beat me. It's like, you know, LeBron on those 27, 2007 calves where it's like, yeah, we'll let Mo Williams and Anderson Verjao beat me. Yeah. Like not LeBron James. And Rafael Devers is doing everything he can to will the Red Sox to wins. And he's doing it in droves. Like I said, nine home runs, hitting the living piss out of the ball. Highest hard hit rate of his career to this point. He's not walking a ton because he knows that he has to get the hits for the Red Sox. So I don't want to hear about the WRC plus. I don't want to hear about the walk rate because if he walks, he (laughs) there's not a lot behind him that are going to be able to drive him in. He has to do everything for this Red Sox lineup and he is doing it. And it's just so freaking impressive because of the context of it, of what he's doing with nobody really around him. And he's performing at an MVP level. He's amazing. So I was wondering what he was going to do if it was going to be kind of the Juan Soto. And this is obviously an extreme example because the the Red Sox lineup is way better than this. But to your point, you're really only extremely worried about Rafael Devers. Alex Verdugo has been fantastic, but he's a table setter. You know, so in terms of who's going to drive and runs and and beat you, it's 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 Devers. Uh, I was wondering if this was going to be a year where he just walks a ton, kind of like Soto was doing with the Nationals, because it was like, we'll let somebody else beat us. Um, and yeah, Joey Manessis was awesome. They had some other guys that were performing, but you know, Josh Bell was awesome to start the year. But at the end of the day, like you're gonna let you're gonna let those guys beat you. To your point, Devers is doing it all. Like he's swinging more than ever. His 55.4% swing rate is the highest clip of his career. But at the same time, his 77% contact rate is his highest since 2019. Um, so he is swinging more, he is walking less. But he's trying to drive in runs like he is. He is legitimately being as aggressive as we have seen him. Um, and, and I think that's not necessarily a bad thing, uh, because if he walks, I, I don't think they they win as many games. I think you'd rather him go one for four with a homer than oh for two with three walks or oh for one with with three walks. Like, I think you'd rather him hit that homer with the way the Red Sox are going right now. So it is really fascinating to watch. Um, and and I I do wonder how sustainable it is with the aggressive approach. If pitchers will continue to like pitch around him more and more and more, but I'm excited to monitor this because this is a one man wrecking crew right now, really in the middle of that Red Sox order. And it's been, it's been really fun to watch. And one thing I also want to say too, is you have the three best third baseman in baseball. You got Arenado, you got Machado and you got J Ram. And it's like a mix of those guys. And then you have the Austin Riley and the Rafael Devers, who always seem to be put in tier two compared to those two. But Riley is just phenomenal. And he is at least a solid-ish defender. But if Devers keeps defending like this, we got to put Devers in the tier with Machado, Arenado, and J-Ram. He is in the 95th percentile of outs above average. And this is something that has just improved year over year for Devers. I used to rip him as a biased Yankee fan. I'm being like, he is a freaking block over there at third. Can't move. Arm is mid. Like, oh, he sucks over there at third. Yeah, he's going to hit, but who cares? No. This dude is picking it over there at third. I want to commend him for his improvements because he knows that he has to bring the bat, but you can tell he's been working his ass off in the field and it is showing in the numbers. It's showing in the eye test. This guy's getting to everything. He is developing into one of the best players in major league baseball and a tier one third baseman, which is huge because a tier one third baseman is like a top 15 player. Like that position in itself is so hard to get to tier one. He's doing everything possible to get there. And I'd put him in as we sit here on April 25th, April 26th, whatever day it is. He is in that tier one discussion. It's awesome to see. Last thing I'll say is I agree with all of those things. I think we could be looking at this Devers contract similarly to the Bryce Harper contract, where at the moment everyone's like, wow, $300 million is a lot of money. I think in a few years, I mean, it's already looking like a good deal, but but in a few years when we're like, oh, wow, he's only making eight, you know, 18, 20, whatever it's going to be average annual value in a couple of years. 
everyone's like, wow, that's a bargain uh, because the defense keeps getting better. You mentioned he's just 26. Even in six years from now, if he slows down a little bit defensively, the bat's always going to play. Uh, this is going to be a very good deal for the Red Sox. I think I'm glad they did it. It's a no brainer. Um, but this is one where you can feel good about how it's going to age. He'll be 36 by the time it's up. This is one of the best. I think it could be one of the best bang for your buck contracts by the time it's done. Like we've seen a lot of 10 year contracts go poorly. We've seen a few go well so far. This might be in terms of value bang for your buck over a 10 year contract might be one of the best. Um, and I'm excited to see how it plays out. That's really cool to say. Think about it. Like not many 10 year contracts age very well. This one should work for the Boston Red Sox. Moving on. Prepare yourself, ladies and gentlemen, because Wander Franco of the Tampa Bay Rays has arrived. Yeah. 22 years old. We always knew it was in there, but, you know, he's played about 80 games a year when he was 20, 21. He flashed good plate discipline skills, but the power wasn't really there. But here it is. Four home runs, five steals. He's at 968 OPS. And for my money is one of the better defensive shortstops in Major League Baseball. I know he had an error the other day. I don't care. He looks so well-rounded. And it's exactly why you heard all these nerds, (laughs) us included, being like, yeah, he's top five already. And, you know, smart baseball people have been around the game for a while. We're like, hold your freaking horses. This guy is 20. He's given us a cup of coffee in major league baseball. Can you chill? But what those nerds saw was the data and it is getting unleashed right now. And he is, he's remarkable. He made one of the greatest catches (laughs) I've seen by a shortstop somehow catching it barehanded in that game against the Astros. It was going back. He, and it wasn't even just the catch itself. It was the route to the ball. He ran basically almost to the left field wall to catch that. You think the left fielder would get it? No, it was Wander Franco coming out of nowhere. Elite speed, fantastic power, doubles hitter, can steal bases whenever he wants, bazooka arm, and great defender. It's a five-tool player. We don't come across those that often in Major League Baseball, and he's 22 years old, Arm. A young 22. He turned 22 a month ago. Uh, talk about a contract that'll age well. Obviously, this was more leveraged pre-arb, but 11 years, 182. Uh, yeah, that'll do. I think they'll do just fine on that. When the Rays give somebody that kind of money, uh, usually it's because they're a $400 million player. And right now, it's small sample. We got to see him continue to do it. But Wander's playing at a $400 million player level. He's a 1.4 F4 through 22 games. I'd put him on track for about an 11-win season. Uh, So obviously we got to see him be healthy. And that's the biggest question with Wander is, will he stay healthy? And that's one that we can't predict. But what's so awesome to see, similarly to the Rangers, is the concept is working, man. When Wander Franco is on the field, this is one of the best players in baseball. And if the Rays have MVP Wander, if they have this MVP caliber Wander Franco, that they might be the team to beat in the AL like that. That's what's crazy about it. Obviously they're off to the best start imaginable, but when you have an MVP caliber shortstop, just kind of blossom in front of you. And then all the other pieces that we've showered praise on for the Rays already. And then they're going to get the other pieces back. Like this is really cool to watch baseball. Yeah. You know, we're talking about like who the next face of baseball is going to be. We thought it would be Tatis. Now he's kind of the villain, but that's also good. Like Wander Franco is that guy. Like he could be that guy. I know he's in Tampa and that doesn't help. But in terms of the way this guy plays the game, what he does, uh, so many people want the best player in baseball not to strike out a lot for whatever reason. We always hear that from the old heads that try to take something away from Judge and Trout. Sure, whatever. Here's your guy. It's 15% K rate. That's high for his standards so far this year. So this is one of the more special talents we've ever seen. And it's really cool to see him you know, really display that on the big stage. I just think it's so cool. He doesn't walk to the level of Juan Soto, but he's got a similar plate discipline, right? He swings at his pitches. And I think it's so cool. He cut his zone swing percentage down from 73% last year to 60%, but the zone contact is still at 91% compared to 92 and a half last year. He's chasing way less and he just swings at what he knows in the zone and everything else he lays off. So the walk rate's going to be above 10%. The K rate's going to be around 12 to 13%. And he makes so much contact and he's so fast that he's going to beat out those infield. 
field hits, but he has so much power and he has gap to gap power. So he's going to spray doubles. And then when he wants to hit the ball out of the ballpark, he can like, this is what we see as like, where is the weakness? Yeah. Is the weakness in the glove? Like Bo Bichette? No. Is the weakness in the arm? Like a, uh, he's got a shit arm at shortstop that, you know, uh, he's got like a freaking noodle. I don't know. Most of those guys get moved off. Yeah. Who's got a new, who cares? He doesn't have a noodle. He has power. He has 20 to 25 home run power. He has 30 to 40 stolen base speed. I I really think so. I remember I told Colby on the just fantasy baseball show. I'm like, Juan Franco is going to steal 40 bases. You want to bet on it? He got hurt, but I'm like, he has that type of speed, but he also is so smart that he can steal bases when he knows he can. And he's playing with the new rules, the bigger bases. This new form of baseball is perfect for Wander. And he's just showing us why all the nerds were so high on him early. It's because he's, it's hard to find a more well-rounded baseball player. And he's cut his ground ball rate by 10%, putting balls in the air. He hits fastballs at the 370 clip and the batting average. He's sitting breaking balls at like 230, which is still good for breaking balls because he's not whiffing at them at all. And off-speed pitches, he's in 350. There's no weaknesses. Where's the weakness arm? He's in that bucket of, like, how do you get this guy out? There's no specific game plan that you can put together to to really get him out other than hope he hits it on the ground. Like, that's the one, one, one thing that people would be hard on Wander about was he hit the ball on the ground too much. He's already cutting that down. He's, He's been better in that regard, but also benefits from the limited shift. So being able to get away with more ground balls with his speed too, he'll always get away with a higher ground ball rate and he hits the ball hard. So he has the whole recipe to get away with a higher ground ball rate, but also still hits the crap out of the ball in the air. Um, I can't wait to see what the 162 game sample looks like from Wander knock on wood, because it's going to be uh, a fun stat line to be able to recite through the off season as we you know talk about you know the best performers of 2023. I think Wander's stat line is going to be he, – he might have one of the better shortstop seasons we've seen in a while if he stays healthy. So right now he's played 175 games in his career from age 20 to 22. So we even have to give him a break. He's an 800 OPS guy with 17 bombs and 15 steals. And he hasn't even really unlocked anything until this year. So the floor of Wander is an 800 OPS who's a great defender – and nearly 2020. That's the floor. That's like the young Wander coming up with no experience yet. Yeah. That's what we're dealing with here in Wander Franco. Pretty good. But it's time for the prospect report. Can't wait. This is one of my favorite times of the week when we ask Aram who are some of the great minor leaguers that teams need to watch out for that could be called up soon that are doing really well in the minor leagues. We talked about Matthew Liberator uh, for the St. Louis Cardinals, you know, a team that desperately needs pitching, but who this week, because we do this member every other week. So we give like a two week sample yeah. rather than just doing it every week. Like, Oh, one guy had a good start. Yeah. One good awesome. start. But how has it been over a couple of weeks? Who are the prospects now that you're really looking at that could help hopefully make an impact for some major league teams, right? Yeah. Now? So I'll start with the upper levels, go down to the minors. We'll start on the pitching side. Um, Andrew Abbott, Cincinnati Reds recently promoted to triple A. I don't think it'll be long before we see him in the rotation. The left-hand pitching prospect that has just been insane. Second round pick, pitchability guy. Uh, now he's seen the stuff tick up. Fastball has jumped a full tick in terms of velocity. And his induced vertical break has jumped by four inches. I've never seen that before. I've never seen a four-inch jump in induced vertical break. He struck out 36 batters in 15 and two-thirds innings. Just three walks, three walks. So this guy is carving, promoted to AAA. I think he's going to be the, the number four in that rotation before long in Cincinnati. They need help in the back half of that rotation, and he looks just about ready. Abbott's going to be a problem, uh, I think. And and the Reds, all of a sudden, you know, they get rid of Kyle Bodie. People didn't know what the pitching development situation was going to be there. Here's another possible success story as they fill out the rotation of, of homegrown guys. Andrew Abbott looks like the latest example. The Reds could really use a guy like Andrew Abbott, too, because Hunter Green and Graham Ashcraft have really been good so far. But Nicola Dolo is running into troubles, right? The lefty who 
you know, I thought you thought we all thought would be the best in this rotation. I still think long term he will be. But of course, he's running into issues right now, which the Reds certainly do not need because in the back, it's Connor Overton. It's Luis Sessa. Um, Luke Weaver looks okay, which is kind of cool. He looks fine. Um, But like they need another guy and Andrew Abbott, if he is in triple A and he's carving like this, might as well try him at the bigs, at least give Reds fans kind of that glimpse into the future. Even if he's not good right away, give him a shot, right? Well, I'd rather see, you know, I'd rather let him work through that and triple and then start Connor Overton every fifth day. You, you might as well let him develop at that level, see how things go and and just let him get those reps on that stage. I, I think he's going to make a couple starts and triple and then he'll quickly get up to the big leagues. I, I don't I don't think it'll be much more time of Andrew Abbott pitching in the minors when he looks like this. The stuff is better. The command is better. Everything looks really, really good. Uh, I want to highlight the A's. Because the A's may have sneakily done better in some of these trades than we thought. And Royber Salinas, double-A pitching prospect that came over in that Sean Murphy deal, looks like he could be a dude. Salinas was part of that package. A lot of people kind of overlooked it. And I think, you know, because he wasn't ranked highly at the time, I think caused a lot of people to say, oh, that package is light, us included. But now seeing more of Salinas, I think that the, the Oakland A's felt like they got another top 100 pitching prospect um, with, with what Salinas has, has looked like. He's right on the brink of of looking like a top 100 guy. He went and had maybe his best outing in the minor leagues last time out. They're continuing to stretch him out more and more. Uh, in double A, he just went or five innings, one run, two walks, 10 Ks. Fastball has all the shape that you want in the upper 90s, touch 99. Absolute hammer of a breaking ball. This is a dude that's 22 years old, but similar to Mason Miller, I could see the A's fast tracking him to the big leagues as he continues to get stretched out. This is somebody that I'm looking at to potentially be a top 100 prospect by the midseason update with the way his stuff looks. He's dominating hitters with the fastball, and that breaking ball is no joke. And the Braves, you know, if they're trading pitching prospects, they always have a ton of them. So, you know, it's a little bit on us for not expecting it, but he just hadn't shown much. So it was like, all right, this could be a project, but it's a project that the A's have turned around very quickly, which is so good for A's fans, you know, like just give them a glimpse of some sort of future because, you know, everyone's freaking out about moving to Vegas 2027, right? It's April 26th. 2023 there are still four more years in oakland for those fans to get excited for and you know i can't speak for a's fans if they're going to still be an a's fan if they move to las vegas but at least for the time being having a guy like mason miller who is lighting up radar guns and yeah he might not you know the box score may not reflect it because he is so young and he was fast-tracked but let's see these guys up there because it's not like Shintaro Fujinami yeah. has given us much. You know, Ken Waldachuk is still, you know, moving through some hitters sometimes. Like JP Sears looks fine. James Caprillion is not that guy. Like, let's see this guy come up and really perform. Who else have you been looking at? So a guy that I think is going to be up there sooner um, and should be ready to go is, is Brandon fought. And I think he's getting pretty annoyed of, of not getting promoted, seeing Tommy Henry throw up there. Cause his last outing, it was a little bit of a shaky start. His first start, he was you know kind of got blown up for five runs and three and two thirds. Since then he's been fantastic. And in his last start stuff looked all the way back. Slider looked nasty and he went seven innings, three hits, no runs, one walk, eight K's against the Los Angeles Angels AAA affiliate, which is a really good team. It's a, it's a tough team to face because you got Joe Adele. You've even got guys like Mickey Moniak. Um, you've got Trey Cabbage. Then you got some other former big leaguers. I think you got David Fletcher out there right now. Like That's a tough team, and he absolutely carved through them on the road. This is a Diamondbacks team that's trying to win right now, and I'm, I'm surprised that we haven't seen Brandon Fott yet and that we're seeing Tommy Henry. Uh, but I feel like it's only a matter of time. If Fott has one more of these starts, I think he's uh, should be – pitching as we're recording that like the day we're putting this out or recording this one more good start. And I I'd, I'd start to really look at Brandon fought as a, as a call-up candidate. He's gotten better each outing. The stuff has ticked up, up and up. He looks all the way back. And that's a guy that can help you right now. Um, when it comes to the starting pitching side of things. 
Why did you think the Diamondbacks promoted Tommy Henry and then DFA'd Madison Bumgarner? It felt like a lateral move to me, not a move that was built on future success because Tommy Henry, one start, gets killed by the Royals who haven't been able to hit anybody to start the season. Like, why was it Tommy Henry? Yeah. And why not Brandon Fott? So Fott pitched the 20th. So it might've been a timing thing. It might've been a lefty thing. I don't know if they preferred to have a left. I, I would like to think that it was a timing thing because Fott pitched the 20th. And then I think they realized, okay, we can't have, because Mad Bum pitched a day or two after that was legitimately just atrocious. And I think they, hit their breaking point of like, okay, we can't do this anymore. So when they DFA him, they couldn't bring up Fott because he had just thrown two days prior. So I'm really hoping that Fott makes one more start and that's it. And then they can time it up where his turnaround, the rotation uh, next time will be at the big league level because this guy doesn't really have much else to prove. And and I, I feel like for a Diamondbacks team that's trying to you know keep the momentum rolling, what better way than to swap out Mad Bum slash Tommy Henry for one of the best pitching prospects in baseball and Brandon Fott, who has proven to be successful at the upper levels over the last year and a half now. And and it's for real. It's for real. And I wanted to highlight one more super underrated name that I think one before be you do. Race. Yeah, go ahead. Before you do optioned Dre Jameson too, right? So if you're going to option Dre Jameson, you're going to call up Tommy Henry and he's not going to perform. We're just waiting on Brandon Fott, who is the better prospect of any of these any guys of even ryan nelson who has staying power right now of any of them we need to see brandon fought the arizona dimebacks because they are competing it's not like the padres look that scary right now it's not like the dodgers look that scary right now and the giants certainly don't and then you got the rockies who are just playing baseball like arizona dimebacks they have a window here because the cardinals aren't performing either you never really know with the brewers the phillies aren't playing up to standards the mets are doing pretty good injured not too worried about them and the braves are amazing but there is a window here this year and the window is opening up earlier than they might have thought bring up brandon fought that even rhymed and i think i think they will yeah that did rhyme (laughs) one one more because the rays are annoying as hell um you remember Elvin Rodriguez pitched a little bit for the Tigers last year. He was terrible. Got destroyed, faded him multiple times. I know. A boatload. Yeah. Auto don't, don't fade him this time around. Uh, he looks different. I, I went back and watched a few of his starts. He's with the Rays now in triple a course. He is. Last start. I watched seven innings, two hits, no runs, two walks, eight K's in triple a fastball 92 to 95, but huge life. They tweaked the shape a little bit too. He always was a data darling. But now they tweaked it a little bit more and it's taking off. Changeup looks gross. Slider is also solid. 19 swinging strikes last outing. And he had a, a Syracuse Mets lineup, which is also a loaded lineup, right? We're talking about Ronnie Mauricio, Mark Vientos, several other very solid offensive prospects there. Just looked lost. That fastball was jumping. The changeup's legit. Elvin's going to be a guy that I think gives them some good innings this year and another either swing man or spot start type. The, the Rays did it again, but it's cool to watch it in real time in AAA. Uh, I, I do actually, I am buying what Elvin Rodriguez is selling right now, and he's been spectacular to start the year. That's insane. Yeah. Elvin Rodriguez with like a 40 ERA for the Tigers looked terrible. Goes to the Rays. They finagle with the fastball shape. They teach you a little bit of this slider. And now he's carving. Yep. They could do that with us. Yeah, I hope. Like, I could probably sit in the mid to upper 70s right now. They could probably get me to 92 with a slider. And I think I could, like, get out for or the they'll race. Just, they'll just make you throw super weird. And it yeah. just works. <laughs> like, you should try throwing behind your head. And it'll work. You'll get outs. Look, it's unbelievable. I'll highlight a few hitters <laughs> really, really quick. Really, really quick. Yeah, go ahead. I want to hit Elvin Rodriguez. I can't get over that. What the hell? How is that even possible? It, it's annoying. It's legitimately annoying. Uh, I got to talk about Ronnie Mauricio again, man. This dude's not slowing down. He's hitting 350 with six bombs, seven doubles. He's the Mets. 20, 28 for 80 over there in the Mets system. They're playing him at second more now, which is something to watch. Mm. You know, I, I think that they want to see if he can move around a little bit, maybe as they you know get deeper into the season or if somebody gets hurt. Uh, that's 
guy that they're probably going to bring up immediately. Um, Mark Vientos is, has been fantastic. That's some ultimate trade bait right there because Mets AAA again, like guys raking, um, not doesn't have much of a position. So I could see him potentially being dealt, uh, and, and being a good trade chip for them. And then I'm looking across the game. There's a few different guys that I think can make an impact, uh, for the big league team, but I wanted to highlight Nolan Jones. Remember a former first rounder, Cleveland Guardians, the, the Indians at the time, Nolan Jones was traded to the Rockies and got a little brief cameo at the big league level. Didn't really show much. He's playing in a very hitter friendly environment in Albuquerque. That's triple A for the, for the Rockies, but you're going to play in a just as friendly, if not more friendly environment at the big league level. So that'll translate. He's whiffing less than ever. And this is a huge power guy. Um, his approach looks really good. He's hitting 360 with eight home runs through his first 16 games. Again, stats are very inflated out there, but that plays. The data looks good. He's whiffing less. Nolan Jones could be a guy that they bring up to you know Coors Field there, and he just keeps mashing. So that's a name to watch as well. I, I really like what I'm seeing from Nolan Jones in the early going so far this year. Um, and then Christopher Morrell. I know he's not a prospect anymore, but he has been phenomenal for AAA Iowa. That's another option for these Cubs. They've got two guys there that look like they're big league ready. Matt Mervis, obviously. And then Christopher Morrell looks like he's ready to get another shot back up there, swinging it really, really, really well. Hopefully he's not a tweener. You know, that, that would be a shame, but that's a guy that's really swinging it. And then one more imminent big leaguer, Michael Bush. I think he was with the taxi squad. I'm not totally sure. Triple A Dodgers crushing baseballs doesn't have much of a position. He reminds me of Max Muncie, but he walks with the best of them. 18 walks in 21 games. He hits homers, hits the ball hard. And it's a Dodgers team that can use bats. He can play second base and get by there. So you, you can help you there. Um, I think Michael Bush is going to start getting some big league looks pretty soon. What a segment. This is so fun. I mean, all these guys, like, I still, I just can't believe Elden Rodriguez. I, I just can't <laughs> believe that. Like, I can see all the other guys who you're talking about. It's great. Like, especially Nolan Jones is a guy who just needed a little bit of a change of scenery and could actually benefit from the altitude. You know, everyone could, but there's specific players who do, and that's Nolan 100%. Jones. Christopher Morrell is a guy who Cubs fans saw last year, really, really exciting young player, kind of like that wiry, just, I think gave Cubs fans some Javier Baez vibes in that uh -huh. way, except Javier Baez is like, we're talking about worst players in baseball. Like he's up there with like Avi Garcia. No, but he's not that bad, but we know what we're saying when we're talking about Javier Baez, the 2018 version of Baez. That's what Cubs fans saw with Morrell. So cool to see him doing well. Elvin Ooh. Rodriguez, man. <laughs> I got one more picture. Sorry. Frank Mazzucato, left-hander, former first-round pick, seventh overall in 2021 by yep. the Royals. Mazzucato looks gross. High school lefty, those guys take a little bit longer to develop. Fastball's low 90s, 21 to 22 inches of induced vertical break. That is Strider. Awesome. That's what Strider has. And yes. like DeGrom, that's yes. the level of it induced just, vertical just break. Exactly. So if he has an uptick in velocity, he could turn into one of the best lefties in the minor leagues. Curveball is an absolute banger and he's spotting it. 26 punches through 15 innings. He's only given up one earned run. That's a .6 ERA. Mazzucato looks really good. Wouldn't it be nice for the Royals to develop an arm? This might be the guy that they develop here and Frank Masicato. He's a low A, long way to go, but as a teenage lefty, this is some good stuff to see. And for a Royals team who just lost Chris Bubich, who was making a lot of great improvements, seeing a guy like that come in is such needed for the Kansas City Royals. You said 26 strikeouts and 15 innings for Frank Masicato? Yep. Incredible. That'll do it for this episode of the Just Baseball Show. Hopefully you guys all enjoyed. Of course, we'll be back tomorrow. But in the meantime, if you want to support this show, get yourself some Just Baseball merch. I'm rocking my Just Baseball tee right now. The link is in our episode description. The Just Baseball Show is sponsored by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Remember, the code is still live for the month of April. Use code JBFANS if you want to wager on any MLB games this year. And even if you just want to play around, maybe play some futures, Go get your free money. Use code JBFANS. Wager $10 on any MLB money line before the game begins. Once that game is settled, you will get $100 in bonus bets. In some states, 
$200 in bonus bets. It's an absolute no-brainer. Click the link in the episode description or just when you download BetMGM on your smartphone, use code JBFANS. And if you don't want to spend a dime, you don't like wagering, no worries at all. If you could rate this podcast five stars on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and if you're watching this on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, hit the like button and comment some more stuff that you guys want to hear from us because we always love fielding stuff. I remember the reason I wanted to bring up Rafael Devers was I saw on Instagram, someone said, please talk about Rafael Devers. It was already the plan, but now I really wanted to talk about him because we love our fans. Thank you guys again for listening. And with that, thank you everybody. Thank you.